welcome to Cocktails Over Coffee, a podcast that spotlights truly inspiring individuals that have taken a leap of faith by leaving their corporate careers, otherwise known as their coffee, to pursue their passion, otherwise known as their cocktail. I'm Janae Green, and I'm so excited to be here today with the founder of the Skinnery app, Bianca Maxwell. Thank you so much for being here today, Bianca. Of course. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so excited to chat. I am so excited too. I am so, so I was actually dabbling in the app a little bit before we got on um, because I feel like skincare is one of those things that I just get so into. Um, and I don't even know this. We can just talk about this later. But like I had pandemic skin and I don't know if other people dealt with it as well, where my skin really doesn't break out often. I don't deal with breakouts. But during quarantine, my skin went crazy. And so I think that that was a, a time where I was like, I really would like to understand what was going on that was causing my skin to break out. So skincare is just something that I love to talk about. Yeah, no, definitely. So this will be a great conversation. But before we get into skincare and all of that fun stuff, let's start from the beginning. Tell me what you were doing. What did you go to school for? What was your first job out of school? It's so funny. When you say first job, I actually had a first job before I even went to college. Oh, wow. Um, okay. You said it early. Yeah, I was. I actually helps inform a little bit of like how I ended up working in like a skincare beauty aligned space. So my mom was a celebrity makeup artist. And at a very young age, I was her assistant on set. So at a very young age, I was working with her and like, you know, women and men would sit in, their, in her chair feeling one kind of way. And then after they got up and after having their face, yeah. eat, they would, yeah. you would see a completely different person get out of that chair. Yeah. And one thing I noticed that had always, I had always carried away from that was, was, you know, I want people to be able to feel the way they feel after they get out of that chair with a face full of makeup yeah. when they have healthy skin. Yeah. So important. And, yeah. So my mom even made fun of me because she's like, you know, when you put makeup on, like you're my assistant, like you need to put more makeup on them. I'm like, yeah, but like, you know, their skin. And yeah, I was just irritated. I didn't have a heavy hand. Mm-hmm. So actually this going into college, I actually had a double major. I majored in both business and marketing. Okay. Um, having done like the hustle of working in the entertainment industry at a, a young age, I knew it was really important to have the basics of, you know, knowing how to run a business. So I, I majored in business and management, had a minor in entrepreneurship, and my second major was in PR and marketing. Okay. Yeah. And I went to school in Simmons, which is located in Boston, about yeah. four hours away from New York. So I was spending a lot of time either interning in Boston or like traveling to New York to do like meet and greets and, and do yeah. like weekend internships there too yeah so what kind of internships were you doing when you were in undergrad yeah I was looking to work mainly with startups or Mm -hmm. small businesses so I had an internship at a recording studio Mm -hmm. um Boston have this thing called Boston Fashion Week so I actually Mm -hmm. produced one of their exposés that they had when I was in college um I would do consulting so I would come be like hey like you know, like, what do you need for digital or social media? Like, I can help yeah. you figure it out. So I work with small startups that way. Um, I was really nifty and I had a mean hustle. It sounds like it from before college even. Yeah. Like you, you just, like, kind of hit the ground running. Like, you were probably I, a born yeah. entrepreneur. I think I was. Like, my first my first entrepreneurial journey was a lemonade stand, but we had sorbet floats and we had yeah. door-to-door service on my block. So Okay, <laughs> I, I have never heard of such an upscale lemonade stand. <laughs> I was nine years old and I was like, how can we be different? <laughs> wow, okay. All right, so I can kind of see where this is all coming from. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's starting from a very, very young age of hustle and just like seeing yeah. my mom and my grandma kind of yeah. like hustle as women in their own spaces. Right, because I feel like with a makeup artist, oftentimes you are kind of an entrepreneur. You know, you're getting your clients and in your booking your own type of thing. Yeah. So I feel like you have that same mindset of an entrepreneur. Oh, a hundred percent. And then, so my first official job out of college was actually in the fashion industry. Okay. So all of that, you know, that external <laughs> extracurricular hustles I was doing outside of college. Yeah. Actually gave me a really great step to have a pretty full blown resume. Um, and I, it was, it was such a great moment. I, at a very last minute, applied to go. Teen Vogue doesn't have this anymore, but they, when I was a senior in college, they had this thing called Teen Vogue Fashion University. I, I went. Because I, I was a fashion major, yes. Oh, really? Okay, I so, did. Girl, this is how I got my first job. So I okay. went to this. Yeah. I went to, like, all of the panels I could. I talked to everyone that would listen to me. And, yes. like, in one of the sessions, um, 
it's so crazy because like hindsight 2020 is just like this was so like just stars crossed yeah. but I sat in on a panel Shiona Torini interviewing Eddie Borgo yes and I was standing next to his then at the time like studio director Beatrice Mandelbaum and like we were chit-chatting and I said you know like you know, if there's ever an opportunity, like, I would love to help you guys if you ever come to Boston. And she's like, well, actually, Eddie has a trunk show in Boston in a month. Oh, Could wow. you go and help him set up? Oh, my gosh. Just right? like that, you booked yourself just, a gig. Just just like that. And as I was there for the weekend, I was talking to a few assistants and um, at Team Vogue. And I was like, hey, like, would it be okay if I ever came to do kind of like a shadow for the day? And she's like, yeah, I would love for you to do that. So I learned really young the power yeah. of networking. Yes, it, yeah. Um, and you put yourself and, out there. Yeah, and just kind of like offering, instead of asking for someone to give you something, offer something. That, exactly. That's been my advice is, yeah. you know, instead of trying to get something from someone else, ask them how you can add value to their lives. And yes. that's the way to figure out, you know, is this is this a good way to work together? Is an opportunity here? Yeah. Or, is, you know, is there any kind of, any kind of um, connection? So um, I got my first few opportunities. So I went and helped Eddie at his trunk show. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually showed up and he had finished setting up. He was chit chatting with people and he was like, Oh my God, thank you so much for coming. Like we chit chatted for about 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, I emailed his director back and was like, thank you so much. It was really lovely to meet him and hang out. And like, you know, if ever, you know, I have spring break coming up, could I come and be an intern for a week? Yeah. You know, I actually spent all of my spring breaks interning. I never actually had like a college. Wow. So I went to New York. I stayed with one of a family friends yeah. in Harlem. Um, I had never taken the metro system in Harlem. So I got lost many times. Oh my gosh, I bet. All these different locations. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I interned with them for a week. And um, this is another really great story. But um, Ashley Simone, who is now the founder of Ashe, works at Eddie yeah. Warp. Mm -hmm. um, and she was just kind of like another black girl in the space that was like, you know, Bianca's kicking ass as an intern of one week. Yeah. So when a job opportunity popped up for me to be a studio assistant, they called and asked me if I would be interested. And, and wait, I, where I, were you in, were you in school still during this time? I was, I was still in school. I was a okay. senior. And I was one of like two seniors that had jobs on graduation. Incredible. And That's like everyone's dream graduating college. And I, I didn't even realize that like it, I, I can't say I was lucky, but I really felt like I fell into fashion through yeah. this. Yeah. Well, you worked your butt off for it, so it's, yeah. luck wasn't even it. <laughs> I was just like lots of following up, lots of just putting yourself out there, and I got really lucky too because um, in me speaking to like one of the assistants at Team Vogue, they said, "Yeah, you could come and do a shadow." So I actually went and shadowed for a day. Yeah. And during that day, like I walked past Shiona Torini, and she was like, "Who's this girl with big afro?" I yeah. had big A line like vintage blue skirt a little crop yes. top and a block heel she's like who's this and one of the assistants came, was like hey do you have a resume and I girl I showed I made sure to have printed resumes of course me. you did on hand <laughs> on hand uh, I interviewed Shiona to be a closet assistant okay um, I also she also put she gave my resume to the beauty editor at the time who was Eva Chen wow Eva Chen emailed it to a couple other people in the building Within one day of just showing up for a shadow, I not only interviewed at Teen Vogue, I interviewed at Marie Claire and at GQ. You made a name for yourself. And like, I was just like, it wasn't even like a name. It was just like. I mean, people were vouching for you after what? How long? You, a day? Like. A day. I mean, it really shows when you show up with like the right attitude and you work hard, like people will notice. Well, it's so funny because Shion and I became friends like a year later after this and I told yeah. her I was like, like during that entire interview that you didn't look at me and she's like girl I was astounded by what you had on your resume as a senior in college right I mean you packed it out by the time you yeah. graduated so I always tell everyone that I can that's in school I was just like you know having great grades is great having experience is better Way so better. you know yeah. run an Instagram account run yep. a blog yeah. do a side hustle intern yeah. for someone that has a startup offer free time and services somewhere because that's just going to put you in a really good place yeah and have a career like I know multiple people that have made names for themselves in the industry now yeah. who have either like shadowed me at one of my previous jobs or mm -hmm. I've gotten coffee dates with yeah it's true. And so when I was in school, I decided to go to New York and intern for a semester versus studying abroad because I was like, I think this is going to benefit me and my career more. And it's yeah. more 
realistic that I'll get a job in New York versus to go to live in like Florence for a semester, which is great. But I was like, once I get a job, I can afford to actually just travel there. Exactly. what I, That was my logic, too. It's like, you know what? I'm going to take all this time. I can spring break when I'm an adult with money. And it's exactly. Money. And it's and way better that way anyway. And that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So your first official job was yeah. doing what? Because you've done, like, everything. I've done, like, a few things. So my first official, like, on LinkedIn job was yes. I was studio assistant at Eddie Borgo Studio in New York. Amazing. Oh, my. And wait. So... Eddie Borgo Jewelry, right? Yes. I feel like when, because I come from like the magazine world as well, and I feel like he he was was in everything like back in, what was it, 2011, 12, 13? I was like, yeah. It's funny. We actually transitioned most of our sample trafficking in house because I was doing a better job of managing it than our PR team was. Of course you were. (laughs) Um, But like all, like that was just managing it. Like our. Our studio director became our PR director, Beatressa. She knew everyone in the industry. So we wow. were placements everywhere. Yeah, I've, I feel like I remember packing up the jewelry so many times for different shoots. Okay. I was entering at Vogue and we, we had their jewelry there. Oh, I was probably emailing you and be like, hey girl, where's my jewelry? Probably so. <laughs> that is incredible. Me. <laughs> okay, so Eddie Borgo. So how long were you there? I was there, I want to say for almost three years. Okay. A little over three years. Yeah. I, so I was there as an assistant for a couple months before I got promoted to manager. And that was because I, Amazing. as soon as I came in, I pitched an internship program. I was managing interns. I yeah. was going, I'm like pulling stuff apart. I'm like, this needs to be organized. We need to process for this. Like, what can we do to make better? Right. So I had really great advocates at the studio. Yeah. Um, that were just like, Bianca's kicking butt. Like, let's promote her and give her more responsibility. Yeah. Um, and I was like a studio manager slash press manager for like a year and a half. And then we started to launch our digital space, which was mm-hmm. e-commerce website. Um, at the time was was when every brand was like starting to do their Twitter and their Instagram. Yep. Yeah, it, social media was like blowing up. Social media was becoming a thing for branding. So yeah. I started to kind of like really push like, hey, we need to have a digital voice. We need to have kind of like a presence. So that was actually my introduction into what ended up leading me to where I am right now was okay. trying to get a brand on digital for both like selling product but also doing brand awareness yes okay cool so then from eddie borgo and you were like kind of exploring this digital space and really like leading the charge in that where did you go next so after that i went and joined suno which they're not around anymore but yeah contemporary brand they were a really cool brand i miss them super cool cool. i love like all of the parties we threw on all the the fat all of the runway shows that we did um i actually went over there with them to lead digital and e-commerce so i was an e-commerce manager um and i focused not only on managing and like updating their websites but also working with different apps so this app's not around anymore but it was called shop spring Mm-hmm. And like I ran our first pilot, well, their first pilot sample sale on their app. Yeah, it's and so funny. A lot of the things you did, I feel like I had interactions with those companies or brands oh. early on in my fashion career. Mm-hmm. And it's like you were really starting because Shopspring was huge. I loved using. I feel like it's now. It's like there's another iteration of that type of yeah. a concept, but like that was yeah. the first. They and it was interesting because like they got so much investment so quickly yeah they were really really good example of like don't blow up too fast yeah which is something that i learned when i was getting my business you know undergrad degree was you know you want to grow at a healthy pace yeah Um, and that was something they really instilled in us so as i was working with like eddie borgo and i was working with suno and like some of the other brands i was able to have a front row seat to cut some of the successes but also some of the bad decisions made yeah either you know, hurting or hindering the business. Right. So you were able to kind of learn from their mistakes as well. Exactly. Yeah. So then after Shop Spring, what was next? So after, so after Suno and Shop Spring and all that that I did, um, I then worked with a brand called Eugenia Kim, mm-hmm. which she did. Another she, one that I know of. <laughs> right. So it was just like, I was kind of like a CFDA, like brand hopping darling. <laughs> Absolutely. Literally every <laughs> single brand. I was like, I like worked with all of these brands in some capacity. Yeah. Yeah, they're all CFDA brands, and I think yeah. great. so. For folks that don't know what the CFDA is, it's kind of like an incubator for fashion brands. Yeah. 
So each one of these, these designers go through this incubator process and um, in it, they have all these mentors, tons of resources, and it puts them on track to being a real brand and like yeah. in the industry, tons of press um, yeah. of selling opportunities. Yeah. So the three brands I worked with in New York were all CFDA brands. Got the last it. I worked with before I left New York was Eugenia Kim. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did a lot of the same things of like working on digital, working on e-commerce. But yeah. another thing that I really looked into was their operations um, funnel. Okay. So looking at how to better manage inventory, how to better manage some certain things around supply chain where, you know, you, you as a consumer would never think about, but right. I was coming like, into. Yeah. So you really kind of like solidified your career in the digital space and like the e-commerce space. Yeah. So a really good way I love to describe it is that I flex both sides of my brains. I have mm-hmm. a super analytical, operational, logical side of the brain that yeah. is you know, is really great for getting something going, starting something new, especially within digital, everything's new all the time. Yeah. Um, and then I also have this other side of my brain that is very creative, marketing mm-hmm. focused, branding focus can speak to kind of like ethos or the voicing of what you're trying to put out, right. um, which I think has really put me in a cool space to come as far as I've come today. Yeah. Cause I can play both sides. Like I'm Right. Like right now, I'm I'm a founder of my own company, but I also am consulting with a major brand right now on their entire digital strategy for America. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, you you really are playing both sides of your brain, which is yeah. it's it's rare to really have both of those and be good at both of those. Usually, yeah. people gravitate towards one or the other. Yeah. But I feel like that's like that kind of like probably elevated your career a bit. I think it elevated it, and I think if I didn't do that, I would be bored. Yeah. <laughs> So when and how did you leave New York? How does one leave New York? <laughs> yeah, so it actually was a complete mistake. <laughs> no, really? it, was, it was it was unexpected. Okay. So I had accepted a contract role with a company called J. Jill. They mm-hmm. are an American apparel brand. Um, they have hundreds of store around the America. They have an online store. They have catalog. Um, everyone who doesn't know J. Jill, I always describe it as mom's on vacation in Cape Cod. Mm. But like that's kind that's of perfect. <laughs> that's the aesthetic. Yeah. And I can't shade them because I actually have worn some of their clothes yeah. on my bigger trips, right? Because they're well made and they're super comfy. Right. Um, but I actually was going to J. Jill to work for 18 months um, in Boston. So they're based in Boston. Okay. And um, I, at the time, I was actually kind of ready for a break from, from New York. I had yeah. intense burnout, um, working with startups, you work 60 hours a week. Yep. Um, there is, you know, if you're leaving the office at five o'clock, people are like, oh, you're getting dinner and coming back. Like Exa- it's no frowned break. upon. It's frowned. Like I remember the first time I left the office at seven o'clock to go meet someone. I had bought a camera off of Craigslist. So I was like going to meet this person yeah. Pick up the camera. Yeah, and my boss called me. She's like, "I really don't feel comfortable with you leaving this early." And I'm like, "Are you kidding?" Class. Yeah, my I mean, like, actually, I, I, I totally understand that has happened, but like that is so normal in corporate, which yeah. is an issue. Well, it's like it's actually kind of like the the New York hustle, right? Like yeah. everyone knows that like Monday through Thursday you are unavailable because you are bleeding for your job. Absolutely, and I was really tired of that. I just kind of, I had come into this new space of my life where I wanted to really focus on personal growth. I wanted to be making enough money to start traveling. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of wanted to slow things down to start kind of growing as like a woman. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like I had, I had been so heads down in my profession to that point that I, I could kind of take it a little bit slower for at least 18 months. Right. Mm-hmm. So I took the job in Boston. I, I went and moved to, Qu- not even Boston proper. Like I went to the suburbs of Massachusetts. Okay. And I lived by a park, which was like, it was, and if, you know, if you've ever been to Massachusetts, it's gorgeous. Like fall is right. amazing there. It's yeah, it's beautiful. Great. And I was so happy. Like really? it was my first time going and working at a company. And I, this is why I don't not corporate because yeah. there is a sense of work-life balance there. So I could get to the office at 8 a.m. And I knew it was out by four. Wow. Because everyone had to be out by four to pick up their kids. Right. So there was that. So I was there for 18 months. So Monday through Thursday, I was working in Boston. And then almost every weekend, I was either in New York, I was out of the country. Okay. So I Traveling was, for pleasure? For pleasure. Like I was either coming back to New York to see my friends or I was going out of the country to see the world. Amazing. Um, it was like a dream I always had. I wanted to go experience life. And yeah. I was figuring out how to do that whilst I'm maintaining a job. Yep. <laughs> 
So I did, I did that for 18 months. And this is where it's just like, it wasn't planned for me to leave New York. It was always like, I'll be back. Mm -hmm. Um, When my contract ended, I actually wasn't ready to move back to New York. I wasn't ready to get back into that hard grind again for someone else's company. Mm -hmm. So I started applying to roles and I applied to a Reebok gig online and I got the position after a couple of Amazing. And I started, actually ended my contract a couple of weeks early because they wanted me to start ASAP to start traveling. Oh my and gosh. It was a gig that I was traveling to Germany and Amsterdam and mm. you know, then add additional trips to my, my work travel. Right. Um, but I went and started working at Reebok. I was there for almost three years mm. and I got to play on with both sides of my brain there. Yeah. And I, so what was your role at Reebok? You might've so just been getting ready to say that. <laughs> Yeah, so um, my role at Reebok, so it was so funny, they end up giving me the title of Senior Manager of Global Projects because anything that could be a project ended up falling underneath me. If yes. Yeah. So um, when I first got there, I was managing all of the digital architecture and system management and rolling out huge initiatives to um, Reebok's a global brand. So mm-hmm. instead of having all the markets individually lead initiatives, having the global team lead an initiative and work yeah. with mo- local teams to execute it. So putting that process in place. And then on the other side, I was working on all of our digital campaigns. So working like Victoria, Victoria Beckham's team, Pierre Moss's team, yeah. all of like Cardi's team to roll out these big campaigns for our big initiatives, but then all the little campaigns that, you know, just around a sneaker release. Yeah. So it was a really tough job for almost <laughs> three years. Um, it was probably one of it. I was anticipating kind of corporate lifestyle. Yeah. Um, it was very much startup lifestyle again. And I had intense burnout. Okay. And this is kind of like what ended up leading me to creating scenery was that I was actually having skin conditions come back up that I hadn't had in years. And I had no idea it was triggering them. Yeah. Um, so I was doing a lot of like, you know, changing my diet, changing my skincare. Yeah. And I was trying to track what I was doing and seeing how it was like affecting my skin. Like, is this what's helping? Is this what's helping? Yep. And that's where I started looking for a skin diary or a skin tracker to help me do this thing. Got it. And there you wasn't find one. Yeah. I couldn't find one. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I have the chops to build it. So let me get started. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that, that like leads perfectly into what you're doing now. So you started while you were still at Reebok is when you kind of started to explore the idea of creating this skincare diary. Yeah. And so what were, what were the first steps that you took? So the first step that I took was that I kind of put together what the idea was. So instead of going to my girlfriends and pitching like, Hey, I have this idea to create like a skin tracking app that, you know, you can track all of your, you know, what you're eating, what you're doing, what your habits are around this. And then giving you recommendations on what to change. I went and told my guy friends. Right. Interesting. Okay. So I I was kind of like, who would be my biggest critic? And I was like, dudes will be my biggest critic. Right. Okay. So I went to a couple of my guy friends that I had really great relationships with and that I trusted. Yeah. One was a, a, a man that has worked in private equity, but was in business school. So I went and spoke to him. I was like, hey, we were at dinner. I was like, what do you think of this idea? And he's like, I think that's a dope idea. And I was like, okay, okay I might be onto something. And yeah. then I, I hit up one of my, my friends from high school who has been an app founder and is now working in um, venture capital. And I pitched the idea to him. Yeah. And he's like, this is a really cool idea. I think you should do it. Wow. So I, some, I just went to my guy friends first and then I started to tell a couple of girlfriends and they're like, yeah, I would totally use that. So that's where I started to kind of get the idea of like, okay, maybe this is something to do. Then I put out a survey. Mm-hmm. And I <laughs> on Instagram or how did you put out a survey? Well, I actually put the survey. I was, I was part of tons of different like skincare women in tech groups. Okay. I put the survey out to strangers and we got over 500 hits back. Wow. And people are like, yeah, I would want to use an app like this. Yeah. Okay. So that's where I started. Yeah. And so then what did you do with that information? Once you realized that there was a market for this and that people actually like needed this, mm-hmm. what, were, what were your next steps? And also when you say we, did you have a team yet or was this all still just you? Oh, so this was just me. I think so. One thing I realized is that I don't, um, I, whenever I talk about things that I do, I would say we. We. Because well, yeah. <laughs> I think you're thinking about your, your team in your head, but like, yeah. Sometimes you are the team. <laughs> Sometimes I am the team. Like, I'm just like, it's me times like 10 other people. Yes. Um, but like, it's 10 of my personalities. Yes. <laughs> so, and I actually don't have a huge team. I have a very, very small team right now. 
Okay. Um, but the way, so after we did the survey and after I spoke to my, my friends, I started to look up, how do people start apps? You yeah. know, like how much does it cost? Like, what are the different ways that people go about this? Like what, what are things that you have to keep in consideration? So I had to make decisions around, okay, like, do I want to go out and find like a tech co-founder to like yep. build it? Do I want to have an agency build it? Do I want to find someone overseas to build it? How big is my budget? Mm-hmm. And one thing that a lot of people do is that when it comes to apps, typically they go out, they find someone that can code and they convince this person that's an engineer to build your app. Yeah. Or, right? Yeah. Equity. Um, I didn't have anyone like that. Yeah. So I actually decided to work with these two guys that my friend had introduced me to. Um, we went through a couple design reviews and I, I actually was designing majority of it. Wow. Putting a lot of the things together. And at the very last minute before we were ready to kick off development, they doubled the cost and asked for even more money than what we had agreed upon. And why um, was that? Where did that come from? It is just something that, um, so I, I, what's been described to me as I've, I've, I've spoken to other founders about this yeah. is that sometimes there are dev shops out there that will try to take advantage of first time founders. Makes um, sense. And this was an iteration of that. So um, this happened in May and we were, I thought I was going to have launched the app by August of 2019. Yeah. Because that was right? right. So at that point I had to kind of go back to the drawing board relook at kind of like how I was going about it and I took another step. Mm-hmm. This time I went and got advisors in different areas mm-hmm. um, I, and I did even more research. I started to upskill on things myself mm-hmm. and I, I instead of going and trying to find like a tech co-founder, yeah. um, I'd go and, and pay someone to build it out for me. Okay. So I started to kind of find the different people, you know, I scoped out the entire, so that's other part is like I scoped out everything that would have to be built for the app. Yeah back-end data centers, front-end, you know, all the different things. Yeah. Um, and I started to plug in either people or partnerships to fill out those those needs. Makes sense. So you did, like, all the research, and you just knew what and who you needed to work with. Right. And then I also bootstrapped it. So I had, um, from having worked in Boston and, you know, like, not paying, like, New York rent, I was able right. to save pretty good amount of chunk of change okay um, I knew like either this is going to go toward a house or this is going to go toward a business right and I decided for it to go toward my business awesome and so were you at during all of this were you still working full-time so working full-time okay so, yeah so it was I was I worked date like my 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 schedule is from like eight to four during the week so mm-hmm. I would say I'm doing hours to get ready work in the morning for work I would go to the office okay and I came home, I worked from like five to eight and okay. then all of them I would work. So I found ways to like shove in work in between. Right. right. Okay. That makes sense. So you go about getting this app built and then how long did that take? What was that process of like the building to launch? So it's, so there is no real linear process to building a product, right? Especially yeah. for a first one. So when we were actually supposed to launch the app um in july mm-hmm. and we are now in october and we yeah. pulled the app out of the app store and we're actually about to relaunch again okay um, so the reason that so we were projected to launch in july because we had partnered with two companies yeah to handle our machine learning and to handle our artificial intelligence mm-hmm. um that we had pinned the app and one thing that i've come to realize that was that i was kind of letting at the same time of me building the app, I was pitching to VCs and I was pitching to mm-hmm. Everyone had different expectations or different ideas of what they would want in order to invest. Yeah. I found myself working more on pitches and like fulfilling requests and trying to come up with solutions to meet these ideas of folks to possibly invest versus mm-hmm. actually working on products. Right. Um, and at the end of it, since the pandemic, because I had moved to LA, mm-hmm. um, I had left my job at Reebok this year. I moved to LA to kind of be within the space to yeah. wellness community. And there's a big startup culture here and there's yeah. access to these and angels. I moved here for that. Two weeks later, shut down. Um, wow. Then, two weeks after your move. Oh my gosh. I moved to LA in March of 2020. Um, and we have put our pre-order out end of, uh, actually end of May. It was during May of 2020. Our okay. pre-order was out and we're gonna, we were going to release it three months later. But right after pre-order, we found out that one of our business partners was accused of discrimination and racism. Oh my God. So I ended that contract promptly yeah. as soon as I found out. 
even though that would put our products way back and I had to figure out a new way to execute um, a portion of it. Yeah. Um, I then found out that the a company that was doing our machine learning um, actually wasn't working on anything that we had asked them to work on. Like we had asked like, hey, we want recommendations. They're like, hey, yeah. we internet and did something else, but we still want to be paid for it, right? What? <laughs> so had to end that contract. And then I also found out that one of our advisors was accused of some really terrible things. So I had to end my relationship with him as well. So this is in one of those moments where I had to decide, do I want to work myself through this yeah. in order to launch a product that I don't think is going to be super great? Or do I want to take a step back, regather and forgot any strategy? Right. So I actually decided to, to do that was that I was handed a couple of losses in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. I'm bootstrapping a business. I'm not working full time. Yeah. I, I had to actually make a decision of, do I want to launch in spite of everything going on? Or do I actually want to launch the product that I really believe in? So I actually took a month and a half off of Skinnery. Okay. And I did it for my mental health. Good. So, and a lot of people don't talk about this, especially founders, but um, female founders burn out very, very quickly yeah. because you're not only just founding a company, you're taking care of all these other things in your life too, right? Right. right. And on top of that, it's a pandemic. And no one is opening up purses. And it was interesting too, to be on the receiving end of a lot of people wanting to talk to me about giving me money. Mm -hmm. And I've had conversations like these with other founders, because what we found was that a lot of people wanted to talk to us, but it didn't really amount to checks being written. It was more massaging guilt. Yes. Yeah. Like having those conversations to be like, okay, we, we are investing and we're doing these things, but there's no follow through. Right. And there's actually, I met a lot of really wonderful people during like my trail and uh, I'm going to circle back to a lot of them, but I also spoke to some people that weren't so great. So, Mm. you know, it's just like, it's the world. Like, you know, you never know what you're going to get. I met a lot of really fantastic people that, you know, once I decided to start raising again, um, that I can reach back out to. Yeah. That's awesome. They, They gave great feedback. They had really great personalities. They had great, um, ethoses and ethics and I was just really happy to speak with them. Yeah. Um, but there were some people that were just like, you could tell like, oh, you're doing this to check a box. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I ended up deciding to do is like, you know, let me take a step back. I've been handed a couple of hits. I need to process this. Right. I need to work on like, kind of like getting myself in a really good space so that I can then be a really great founder and business leader. Yeah. Um, I took a few, I took about six weeks off okay. to just rest, get recentered. You need that. During that time, I was approached to start consulting for um, a, a really well-known brand for global brand. Um, so I was like, okay, well, this gives me an opportunity to actually continue to bootstrap. Yep. Um, and I just started to have really honest conversations with people that had been helping me to date on the product. So um, what ended up happening was I actually found someone who could potentially be a co-founder um, with this new wave of where okay, we're going. Okay, yeah. So we are in the very beginning stages of this relationship. Yeah. Um, I had an intern who was an associate that I just promoted to being a manager last week. Nice. Um, really excited about that. Yeah. We are, and we're adding a couple different things into the app now that we've, I've had time to step back and say, we're not going to do these things. We're actually going to do these things. Right. So it was, it was all great. What was the question? I completely forgot the question. I don't know, but we got into this really great space of like where yeah. we're at now, but so, okay, well, so then let's back up. How did yeah. you, so you left your job and then you moved to LA. How did you prepare for that? Girl, you know what's so crazy? <laughs> it was that I, so I left my job at the end of 2019. Yeah. And I was back at home in Chicago with one of my really, well, really, <laughs> one of my really good friends who's also named Bianca. Oh my gosh. I have two best friends named Bianca. It's no way. We all look like we all look different, but like they're the two best friends, one in Chicago named Bianca, one in Boston. That is hilarious. How do you guys even manage that? How do you talk to each other? She's like, it's so funny because like you can kind of tell who someone's talking to by the way they say your name. (laughs) That is wild. (laughs) So um, I was out, I was out to dinner with my friend Bianca in Chicago and I was like, yeah. You know, I don't really know what I'm doing. Like, maybe I'll stay in Boston until my lease is up. And she was yeah. just like, you have zero reason to stay in Boston. Like, just leave. Yeah. What and was she, keeping you there? I mean, you liked it when you first moved there, but like, were you still in love with the city? No, I actually didn't like Boston as a city. Okay. Um, but you know what was interesting with that? I actually really loved the startup culture there and the startup environment. Okay. So when I started to do my startup journey in Boston, Boston 
my experience in Boston changed. Yeah. There was a really rich culture and a really rich network out there that was really interested in me. Um, so I actually was really loving it. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, I didn't have much of a reason to stay. And I think I was actually just too comfortable. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you know you're just too comfortable. Like yeah, it apartment. happens all the time. My apartment was great. Like I had parking. No I complaints. Like there was a pool. My roommate was fantastic. What like, is that even like living in New York? I'm like, you had a what? <laughs> We had a washer dryer unit, you know, I like mean, the little things in life we yeah. have. But I was just really too comfortable, so I was like, you know what? Let me just shake it up. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to go back to New York. I'm not yeah. ready. I'm from Chicago. I was like, I don't want to move home. Yeah, I'll just get comfortable. I'll meet someone and I'll have the baby. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And then where, where's your career? Right. Um. So I wasn't ready for that yet. So I was like, okay, well, how about LA? Yeah. And, and I so said, LA was never like, it wasn't always a plan. It was just, I had always thought I would never move to LA. Really? I was very anti LA until I moved to LA. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. So this, this yeah. changes things. Okay. So you and just actually, decided yeah. to try this. So I decided to try and I think, so I had two friends. I had one friend who had moved out here. Mm-hmm. Um, I love him. He's one of my mm-hmm. favorite people. And one of my other friends, Tiffany had been saying she wanted to move out here. Okay. Oh, and I had some other friends that were out in LA and I was like, okay, you know what? Once I told my friend, maybe LA, she's like, just move. Just do and it. so that's how I, I did a list of people that I knew in LA. And like, yeah. when I got to the city, I was like, I actually have a pretty great network in LA. Yeah. I feel like once, and- especially for New Yorkers, there's just like this exchange between the two cities where you'll find you have such a huge network out there and in both cities, vice versa. Both ways. And I think what also helped was that right before I had this conversation with my friend, um, I had gone to Afrotech for the very first time. Mm-hmm. And going to Afrotech, I made amazing connections. Yeah. Um, with some folks from Amazon, web, like from Amazon. I like, I can't even think of all the people I met because I met so many people. Yeah. Um, I a producer from Shark Tank and he's like, you have to pitch. I'm like, I'll pitch when I have a product. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was like I just that Afrotech experience was also really fantastic. Yeah, um, and I just networked, met so many people. So it was actually between LA and SF that I decided, okay, California. Okay. And then I made a list of who I knew in the different places, and LA won out. Yeah, you had a bigger and network. I, and then I went started getting feedback from people like, you know, does it make sense to do SF because I'd be a startup versus LA? And they're like, honestly, SF is like for big startups, like trying to do big tech. They're like, right. you're a wellness startup, go be in a wellness space. Exactly. And LA is just that. And LA was it. So I made this decision. I made the decision for LA the first week of January. Okay. I signed a lease for an apartment five days later. I moved to LA three weeks later. What? How did you find this place? How did you do this so quickly? Instagram, be listening to my conversations. I got an Instagram okay. ad for a co-living space. Stop. That's a little scary, but also very helpful. Super helpful. Um, I got, I, I was doing co-living up until recently. Yeah. How was that? Because I know a lot of people are actually exploring that now. Um, I got doing it in a pandemic. It was actually really nice when I first got to LA because I didn't I, like yes. I just didn't have anything. It was nice to have a furnished place. Right. Um, when I moved to Boston, too. When I moved cross country, I literally only had twenty boxes of stuff. I got rid of everything. Did you really? Everything. Well, twenty boxes of things and my Peloton. Okay. You brought your Peloton. I brought my Peloton. Oh my god. How do you even? I don't even know how you shipped that. But I like, found, I found, I found a, I found a moving company that's black that do. Wow. And he gave me a discount because I was single and he was like, He's like, you don't have a whole lot of stuff. Here's my rate. And I was like, that rate is what I there you go. It's rate is what I paid to move myself like five blocks away from like my co living space and when I from when I first moved here to my new right. home. That's so wild. that's how I did it. Like I just kind of put the intention of like I'm gonna do this thing. Yeah. And kind of like the universe opened all the doors. Yeah. Me. Okay, so then you're out in LA, you've got a place to stay, and what what were you doing there? What was what were first steps? So when I first got here, um, I actually started to go to a lot of startup events. So mm-hmm. because I had some folks out there that were already in that space and that scene, yeah, I had already gotten some intros to folks. They're like, hey, like I know this person in LA. You should talk to them. You should meet with them. Yeah, I was doing coffee dates. I had meetings. Like I was going to events in the night, and then the pandemic. Oh my gosh. Okay. So tell me about that experience and being new to the city and also doing co-living and starting an app. 
and this pandemic happens like what did that do to your mental health like what did that do to you to your business honestly like it was funny because all my friends had made fun of me they're like Bianca you were made for the pandemic because I was doing exactly what we're doing in quarantine in Boston like I was oh at my- home working in a like in, in my bubble yeah crib. I'm not someone that was like I wasn't going out a lot in Boston I wasn't doing a whole lot outside because there wasn't a whole lot outside to do right so, <laughs> I was like it was kind of like oh this is what I did in Boston I'm just doing it here and I just okay. have a right yeah so it wasn't a big change I think what it did to my mental health once I started kind of getting some losses and and not a whole lot of good to balance it out was saying okay I actually need to take a step back yeah okay so then you decided to take a step back and right now you're you're in the process you're still you're still back and you're getting ready to relaunch yeah so I'm actually really excited about this new phase so I am back to being kind of like a nighttime weekend founder um where we are at now is that we actually re-looked at all the features we're rolling out okay and i in in describing like kind of like the thought process behind some of the things i designed and designed and developed and decided not to design and develop yeah i I had been letting a lot of people give me input on the app that Mm. didn't really qualify for right so I think what's been really wonderful is that this step back away from pitching, away from working with partners, away from a couple of the different things that kind of had pushed me into a corner that I wasn't 100% I wanted to be in. Yeah. It's been great to kind of take a step out of that corner and be like, this is the product I want to create. And and actually I'm working with some people that are like, you know what, let's just create what you want and then let's figure out what works. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of power in saying, I'm actually going to bootstrap my company so that way I'm not beholden to someone else's expectations. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole reason I'm also consulting on the side is so I can actually fund my company. Yes. And that that's what a lot of entrepreneurs, startup founders do. That You have to have a means of income. Yes. You have a means of income, but also it gives you a lot of flexibility and decision making too. Yeah. So instead of saying, I'm going to do AI and ML because I have an investor that's really interested in doing that, I'm thinking, okay, well, we're not doing any AI anymore. We're going to do some light ML, but we're actually going to focus on this entire section of space that I think people actually want. Yes. We're actually, instead of going after buzzwords and, and, and buzz like features and functions that yeah. we know investors really like, we're actually re-looking at what people have told us they wanted and really leaning into just providing for that. Yeah. And, I'm feeling really reinvigorated by that idea now because I'm feeling like we're building the product that I always wanted to build. Yeah, your product for the people. It's, right. it's made by the people. Right, and you know, now because I'm funding it, like I don't have to build for someone else who probably wouldn't even use it. <laughs> exactly. So what is what is the next phase of Skinnery look like? When is When can we expect this to launch? And- okay. So one thing about apps is that everything is like kind of, especially for an iOS app, so we're going to submit in a couple weeks and then okay. we're going to be pulled into Apple to approve it. Got it. So it could go out the week that we submit. It could go out after a couple rounds of reviews with Apple and we get feedback. So okay. I can't have a launch date just yet. Yes. However, it will be on our websites and our social media. So, you know, make sure you, you visit those things or follow, follow us. So shameless plug. Yes. Yes. Um, absolutely. I want you to plug your social and yeah. tell people where they can find you. Yeah. You can file it, find it at Skinnery app. Yes. On all of the socials. Um, you can also find it on my social. I'll do tons of shout outs for it and leading up to it. We actually got our first major press coverage this month with Elle magazine. So exciting. That's huge. I actually, it's so funny. I haven't, I've been so busy. I haven't been able to celebrate or talk about it. So That's huge. We are, I'm actually going to do a post about that and then actually announce what our next steps are. So yeah. um, the things that people can look forward to that if you had signed up to be part of our beta testing, you're actually going to get a push of the app in a, a couple of weeks to play with it before we start the app. To get awesome. And then once we kind of like address some of that feedback, we're going to push it to Apple and then we'll start, we'll start launching after we launch our first version, we're going to start launching new features every month. So exciting. So what have you learned as a founder, as someone creating an app, as a startup? Like what, what has this all taught you? Really like to just believe in yourself. Um, You know, like sometimes I look at all the money I've spent on this journey and I'm just like, whoo, girl, that's a lot. That could have been a down. 
consistent. But I have learned so much about my resilience, my decision making, my creativity, my my gumption. Um, I got a really fantastic. um, I actually got a really fantastic compliment from a VC. This amazing man named Nate Jones. He's over at Andreessen Horowitz. He's leading A16 Oz, which is a a fund that's actually really focused on investing in founders of color. Amazing. And I had pitched to him right before I had taken some time off mm-hmm. and we had done an hour session of my pitch, tons of questions at the end of it. He was just like, Bianca, you're a really strong founder. Oh, that and is, that is a compliment. It's a, you know, and I've met some other people like that. I've actually met some really amazing people within my pitches and my intros. And I've actually learned so much about myself just within this process that I would never trade it for anything. Like all of the, all of the mistakes, all of the, all of the things I've experienced. Like I just, it's all worth it. You know, like you, you learn what you can and you can't take, you learn your boundaries. You kind of learn what you need to do for your own mental health. Exactly. Learn a lot about how you show up in the room too. Right. Now, like I'm super curious and I think that I, since I'm able to lean into that curiosity, it's actually made me a better founder Yeah. Um, because I don't come in with, you know, we're just doing this one thing. We're going to do it this way. Yeah. I'm like, kind of like, okay, well just convince me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good idea. Right. Um, so I think I like, I don't know if I can say it's the, there's one thing I've learned. It's just like, you just learn so much about yourself Yeah. and it's really eye-opening. Yeah. You know? So, and I, I feel like so many people are interested in like this app world and like creating an app and like what goes into it. So I would love for you. So I like to wrap up every show with a shot. And so I would love for you to pass along a small but powerful piece of advice for not only people that want to start an app, but just for entrepreneurs, for founders, for people that want to leave their job and pursue their passion. What is the shot that you would give? I wanted to give two. And okay, you can give two shots. We love shots. Okay, so the first shot is one of my favorite quotes, and it's um, believe people when they tell you who they are. And I would say that's a really important shot to have when you're in the founding world or just anything in life, really. Yeah. Friends, romance, business, whatever. You, there's going to be a little voice inside of you that's going to scratch and be like, hey, yeah. this is what I think about this person. Or, hey, like, this is a red flag. Or, hey, like, consider this. And it's really important to not argue that voice down. Yeah. Just listen to it. You know, like, lean into your intuition. Um, I have come to realize that my gut's really accurate. Yes. Um, so, you know, looking back, I've had gut reactions to things in the past. And because I was trying to be more open-minded, um, I didn't listen to it. So I think, you know, listen to people when they tell you who they are. Don't make yeah. excuses. Listen to your gut. Just listen to your intuition. So that's the first shot. The second shot's a little controversial because of who it comes from. So quote from, okay. Kanye, yes. I I had a feeling you were gonna say Kanye. I didn't know why. I just had a feeling. It's because like I'm from Chicago, so everyone thinks there that like everyone loves Kanye. Yeah. Um, I love old Kanye. Yeah, um, I love old Kanye. Twenty fifteen, and this is an old Kanye tweet. It's um a, a tweet that he did in twenty fifteen. I actually have it embroidered in my bathroom. I, I got it from this artist who does embroidered. Okay. Tweets. <laughs> um, one of my girlfriends told me about her. Like, I got this tweet, and the tweet is, "Please do everything you possibly can in this lifetime." Oh, I love that. See, we love the old Kanye. I love the old Kanye, and I think it's true. Like, I was talking to a friend last night, and you know, I was saying, you know, I've the way that I live my life today is that I've, I I want to do everything I, I set my mind to. So, yes. this, I always wanted to start a company. This app is my thing. Yeah. My next. My next project that I'm actually working on right now is like, I want to write a book. Yeah. Um, I'm working on that. And, you know, maybe I'll do a podcast one day. Yeah. And that could be a thing. Exactly. But I just, I want to try and do as much as I possibly can because we're all really creative and just like, why not? Like, that's how you get to discover yourself. And I feel like that's, I mean, that's a perfect way to wrap up because that's honestly what this podcast is all about. It's just doing what you want to do. I feel like we're all programmed to think that we have to do certain things. We have to have a, a nine to five, a corporate career. We have to do, you know, this, this path that someone else has set out. But if it's not for you, it's not for you. You have to do what makes you happy, what you want to do. Truly. And like one thing to think about as well, because a lot of folks are, are getting laid off or... Yeah 
they're losing their job and they're losing their income. And I think, especially with like my New York friends, there's a lot of panic about losing your job. Yeah. And I've, I've spoken to a couple of my girlfriends who've been laid off and I remind them, hey, like you get fun employment now, you get yeah. unemployment, but yeah. it's unemployment. And like continue to put work out there, but like kind of take this time to like lean back into yourself and figure exactly. out what you really want to do. Because you get to have this really cool break you've never had before. Right. To figure out like, do I want to start an app? Right. Do I want to start investing in real estate? Do I want to write a book? Do I want to paint? Do I, yeah. what do I want to do so I feel a little bit more creative? And like, I thought I was like, do the things that you used to do when you were younger that made you happy. Yes. Start I love that advice and, and that's so true. I feel like it's a it's it's a scary moment to be laid off, but it's a blessing in disguise because it really is like this is your opportunity to do what you have been putting off. Yeah. Like go sleep till till noon on a Wednesday. Yeah. Like go, go to your coffee shops that you've been dying to work out of throughout the week, you know? Right. Do something. Like just like do the thing like just take advantage of the time we like it's a very stressful time for everyone. Just try to make the most of it. Yes. Right? If that is decluttering, if that's writing, if that's whatever, if it's making one thing I've told myself is that I reach out to a friend every single day to check on them. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's really important. Yeah, and I make sure I have I start scheduling like weekly hikes with hikes with friends. Oh, I love my weekly dinner just to make sure you still have a sense of community, but kind of treat this time as not depressing as it is. Try to use it as an opportunity for something else. I love that. And it doesn't have to be depressing. It really is. It, this is an opportunity for everybody. Really. And not everything you do has to be a hustle and successful. Like, no. I have a friend that is an amazing painter and he could sell his paintings, but he's like, I do this for fun. Yeah. And some people want to keep it for fun because that doesn't, when you add transactions, sometimes it takes the fun away. Like it, it really does. And I think that was one thing I learned was that when I was fundraising, everyone's like fundraising is not fun. And I'm just yeah. like, it's not. So take the transaction away from it. Yeah. I'm starting to really love working on my products again because I've taken that element out. Exactly. It's um, yours again. It's mine again. So just like, you know, pay for fun, read for fun, write for fun, dance in your room like nobody's watching. Does yes. Hey. I did that the other day. I was trying to dance to WAP and I really strained my groin. So I hasn't tried to dance to that and thank God it's just like in our rooms in private. Honestly, but like do the things that you love, do the TikToks. Like why not? Yes. Just do something to be happy and you know. I love that. Take care of yourself. Well, I'm so excited for the the relaunch of Skinnery. Yeah. Um, we're all going to be tuning in, and I can't wait to see you post the feature in L because that's huge. So congratulations on that. You really should celebrate that. I will. I'm going to go hike and maybe have another cocktail. I love that. Well, <laughs> cheers. Thank you so much for being here today.